Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello. Welcome to the History Hit World Wars podcast, a podcast dedicated to that turbulent period in history between 1914 and 1945. I'm James Rogers, and in this episode, first recorded for Dan Snow's History Hit, Dan talks with Dr. Luba Vinogradova, who's a Russian historian and author, and her latest book is entitled Avenging Angels, Soviet Women Snipers on the Eastern Front. This is one hell of a story, because Luba managed to track down and tell the stories of female Soviet snipers from the Second World War, some who were said to have killed as many as 300 in 10 months. Dan and Luba also talk about the equally fascinating story of Soviet female fighter pilots who took on Hitler's aces. This episode is fascinating, and it's not one to be missed. Luba, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's very, very exciting. Now, you deserve to be on this podcast more than anybody because for years you have been the secret weapon for British historians writing Russian history, haven't you? Just tell me some of the projects that you've worked on as lead Russian researcher. Well, uh, that is a great exaggeration, I think. I, I've uh, mostly just been a work in hand. I'm I'm quite a good translator, so so that was quite handy. And of course, over the years, you do learn to to search for material properly. Um, my favorite one was probably the book by Martin Cruz Smith, um, uh, Wolves and Dogs, because we visited uh, all sorts of um, <laughs> places in Moscow where otherwise you'd never go, not just in Moscow, like, like oligarchs' parties and nightclubs and... Um, God knows what police stations. <laughs> uh, if we speak about historians, of course, uh, of course, my my two very favorite people and people who I, I consider my mentors are Anthony Biv and Max Hastings, and and working with them gave me so much, um, both in the professional and in the human perspective. I'm extremely grateful to them. You were the secret weapon, as I say, and Anthony Beaver writing his Stalingrad, which in many ways is one of the seminal books of the modern world because it helped to kick off this remarkable popular interest in history and military history that we've seen for the last 20 years. It has nothing to do with me, I think, just just a coincidence. But it was a fascinating project to work on. 
Well, you're very modest. Sure. But the main thing is you are <laughs> now a historian you. in your own right because you've written this incredible, it's such a cool book, The Soviet Women Who Fought Hitler's Aces. These Thank are, you. These are Soviet female fighter pilots. Tell me, why were these women able to fly on the front line when in so many countries, including Britain, women were banned from taking part in active operations, in combat operations? Well, the Soviet Union, from the beginning, you know, they they proclaimed all kinds of uh, equalities, uh, uh, including gender, not just gender, you know, all, all kinds of minorities were suddenly considered equal. Uh, Jews, for example, got the right to education, etc. So, uh, so women suddenly had the right to vote, to 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 um, to be part of the government, to acquire male professions, which makes sense if you if you think uh, of the pace of industrialization of that country, and uh, and Russia never had colossal human resources. And certainly after the civil war they they did not have a lot of human resources so so to to a large extent it was also a very practical measure to use women in male professions and flying was one of them and of course it was extremely exciting that women you know in the starting probably from the early 1930s got a chance to study to be pilots um, and and many of them continued into the war as military pilots, there were not many. It was not. Uh, it was not a large scale, uh, large scale novelty. It was rather done for for. Uh, I shouldn't say propaganda purposes. It's not a nice word in this context. It it did a lot for maintaining the fighting spirit, you know, of the army of the country that was going through incredible hardships. Uh, women were not only just you know, working in factories, uh, they were also flying in the sky, defending the country in the sky. This was the world's first and only all-female aviation regiment. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. How did it come to be formed? There were three regiments, and they all started as as women only. Uh, the two of them, the fight regiment and the regiment of heavy bombers, of, of dive, uh, dive bombers, they later had to accept men because they ran out of uh, of uh, um, female uh, um, female technicians and uh, and crews. Um, it was all an initiative of a very charismatic, very fascinating figure, a pilot who, who set the world records. Uh, sorry, she she set them as a navigator, not pilot. She set world records. Uh, in, for example, her flight all across the USSR from from central uh, uh, central European part to the Far East. Uh, this woman was called Marina Raskova. It emerged um, recently that she was uh, combining two jobs. She was uh, not only uh, not only a navigator. She was also a major in the security services in NKVD and, and major, the rank of major there is much higher uh, than uh, than that in the army. So, so she was probably an equivalent of lieutenant colonel at least in the in the army terms. That was the woman, you know, extremely talented, charismatic, um, uh, 
beautiful musician, you know, very, very pretty, um, great public speaker, and, uh, and also a secret service officer um, that, that started, started the whole thing with this, uh, with this three women's regiments. How did their male counterparts and colleagues view these female aviators? Of course, needless to say, there was a great degree of scepticism that they had to overcome. Uh, according to uh, many, many male colleagues, also some female colleagues, um, the training of fighter pilots uh, was not sufficient for combat. They, uh, they could do aerobatics, they were very good in, in uh, what they were doing before the war as sports pilots, but they lacked the combat training, as well as men. Men, men also lacked it, so casualties were enormous. Uh, so, uh, so those that managed, that those that survived long enough to prove themselves, had to prove themselves. And have we got a sense of how successful these units were in combat? And also, did the Germans know that they were flying against women, and what effect did that have? Well, to me, it's not obvious. Uh, the uh, the regiment that was best document, uh, documented, they, uh, it was the Night Bomber Regiment, you know, uh, girls flying those tiny, tiny planes made of plywood, biplanes, uh, that, you know, caught fire in a matter of seconds, that burned, uh, burned in a matter of seconds together with their, uh, their pilot and navigator. Uh, they, uh, they were extremely active after the war. And... And they created their own history, which uh, which is wonderful. I I I don't always, you know, completely agree with them. But I think it was themselves that said that the Germans were terrified of them, and they knew that they were female pilots, and uh, and that the Germans had christened them night witches. Um, it's not. We don't know. We don't know how it happened. Uh, concerning the fighters. Um, I have a testimony of one girl that was captured, uh, the, uh, the two German infantry soldiers who captured her when she took off her helmet. Once she, you know, she landed with a parachute, she was wounded, she was bleeding, uh, barely conscious. She, she took off the helmet. They suddenly saw that she was a young blonde woman and they were extremely compassionate. They were, they were shocked. They, uh, they, you know, it was the least, the last thing that they expected, and they were really, really sympathetic. They they were kind with her. Apart from that, I don't have a lot of testimonies. I I don't know. Were these women written out of history? Do you think by male historians? No, I don't think so. I really don't think so. They uh, not by the Russians. They. Uh, a lot of uh, lot of uh, night bomber pilots published memoirs, as well as some of the fighters. Although a lot of fighters got killed, so so they didn't leave any memoirs. Sorry. And how were they? In your book, there's accounts of them being dismissed and preyed upon by their male colleagues. I mean, I mean, it was brutally tough being an aviator in, in, on the Eastern Front in World War II. Anyway, do you think it was even tougher for these women because they had to put up with everything when they landed as well? Well, we should remember that it's an elite, uh, it's an elite kind of troops pilot. So, so in my next book, in my book that's uh, 
that was published recently on women snipers i i do i do elaborate on what expected women on the ground you know they uh they uh all the uh, all the aura and uh, and dirt and blood and and harassment that uh, women uh, women encountered when they served as nurses or, or in, uh, in the case of my uh, book, Snipers. But pilots were different. There were pilots. All of them were officers. So I would not say that, that, um, that uh, a common situation of a woman in the army, in the Soviet army during, during the Second World War, uh, attributed to them to a large degree. Okay, well, let's They talk- were not, sorry, yes, let me just finish. They were not completely trusted as pilots, and sometimes that was justified. Fantastic. Luba Vinogradova, let's move on to talk about those snipers now. This is your new book, Avenging Angels, Soviet Women Snipers on the Eastern Front. Unlike the pilots, as you say, we're sort of an elite unit and were housed separately in different barracks. Snipers are up there with frontline troops. What was that experience like for them? Um... Imagine a girl who is 18. To to us, to modern people, that's uh, that's basically a child just out of school. Um, they, of course, at school they uh, they were uh, were indoctrinated with with beautiful ideals. You know, they they were the new generation of Soviet people. Um, so so especially to those that volunteered to to. To you know, to educated town girls, city girls from uh, from uh, good families, uh, they they never expect uh, expected what the front line uh, would be like, what the life would be like. They uh, it changed their perspective Im- immediately. Was there a sense in which the Soviet Union was under such extraordinary pressure in 1941, 1942, well, and, and onwards that there were extraordinary times, and these women snipers were just accepted by their by their colleagues, or did certain pre-war attitudes towards women endure? Well, uh, as I discovered while doing my research, uh, a few snipers, may, maybe a dozen, maybe a couple of dozen, uh, did start uh, their career at the front in 1941. Uh, 41 and 42. Those girls were volunteers. They uh, they had been sharpshooters before the war, and they, with difficulty, they made their way uh, into the ranks of uh, of the fighting army. The situation had started in 1943 when when most of these uh, would-be women women snipers were conscripted. Uh, they were conscripted. They didn't have any choice. Uh, what uh, what the situation was like in 1943. Uh, several million were dead, several million were captured. So the country was quite simply running out of human resources. They didn't have any choice. They had to, to call up hundreds of thousands of women to serve in the army to, to any kind of role that, that was more or less suited to, to a woman. Like for example, they started using girls uh, in, in anti-aircraft troops, which was extremely dangerous, which was extremely hard work, you know, f- physically carrying those those really heavy shells. They did not have any choice. Uh, technicians, uh, armorers, all, all of those roles could be filled by women, and they were. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Tell me about some of the, the women who went on to achieve notoriety and fame as some of the best and uh, most effective snipers on the Eastern Front. Uh well, an example that would, would pop up the first, uh, <laughs> if you Google female snipers, would be Lyudmila Pavlichenko. But uh, in my opinion, she was probably a fake. Uh, <laughs> what? I, oh, that's I, a shame. I, <laughs> I did not find any evidence. There's no documents. There's no evidence. All that we have are, are the quotes from her speeches made during the tour of the United States and Canada and the UK in 1942, when uh, the Soviet Union was desperate to to get support from the Allies. Uh, all that we have, uh, all, all the material that there is on her, are quotes from the Western newspapers. Um, she did not repeat the stories after the war. She did not continue as a sniper when she came back from the tour. So, so I have very serious doubts. And as as the women uh, that I interviewed uh, said, said, how can you possibly kill 300 people in 10 months? They have to, you know, to stand in a stand in a row for you to shoot at them. <laughs> they. Uh, People that I interviewed and people that I came to respect very, very much, they said that, you know, if you, if you succeed in, in scoring one, if you, uh, if, if you get one, uh, one in a day, uh, that's your triumph. That's your great achievement. So wow, so I, she was a I, propaganda I, invention. I think so. I, I think she was indeed a sniper, uh, sniper but there's so many uh, strange moments in her stories. You know, the stories don't hold, hold water. She, she'd say, for example, she'd claim that, uh, that she'd ambush, she'd, she'd, uh, she'd go on her own 10, uh, 10 kilometers behind the front line. She'd ambush Germans. She'd bring back masses of weapons that, uh, that she'd check the borders, she, her, 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 you know, her, 
biographers write that she'd, uh, she always tried to hit the victim on the bridge of the nose, you know, even the even if the distance was quite big. I don't, uh, I mean, I, uh, I don't trust these stories and neither did the women that I interviewed that, that I, I, I know for sure were real snipers. Well, as someone who's just taken their daughter to see Wonder Woman, that all sounds very believable to me, I tell you. Um, what about, tell, tell me about some of the real women then that you've talked to during the course of this book. You must have met some extraordinary people. I was so lucky. I was extremely lucky, and I knew that I couldn't lose any time. I uh, I started maybe six years ago to uh, to to look for them and to interview, and uh, and all of them are gone now. There's not a single one still. No one is still alive in Minsk. They uh, the most extraordinary one was called Lydia Bakiva, and she lived in Almaty in Kazakhstan. She had a score seventy five or seventy six. And she continued after the war. She continued as a sharpshooter. She was in the team of Kazakhstan, and she uh, she was on the team for many many years, for decades after the war. And she was, you know, some uh, women. I wouldn't say she was masculine. She was always, you know, even at the age of 80, 88, 89, she was. She always wore makeup, and she, you know, she used perfume. She dressed very nicely, but you 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 see that. That's not an ordinary woman. It's a great athlete, you know. She, she was an amazing athlete, a, a, a sports person, in spirit and uh, body. Uh, and she loved, you know. You ask her a question about ballistics, she'll she'll explain it to you. You know, seventy years after the war, you 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 ask, you know, how they took aim, and she lie down on the carpet and and show. She she really was extraordinary. Oh, I'm so sorry that she's not still alive. I'd love to interview her. Um, Absolutely. Well, how do they describe their relations with the uh, the other infantrymen on the front line? Well, there are tragic stories. There are, of course, stories that uh, that they did not tell me. Uh, those probably with the most traumatizing experience did not agree to speak with me. So, so you hear stories about. Somebody else. I I did hear several stories of rape. I heard stories of uh, near rape, uh, of harassment, but uh, but then of course you know that was normally normally only officers were in a position to to harass um, these girls that were uh, were uh, non commissioned officers, uh, all of them. If you speak about ordinary soldiers, you know, they were simply very happy that there were young girls next to them. And they were uh, mostly very, very kind. They tried to 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 make uh, make the hardships a bit less. They tried to make a present, you know, as they entered the German territory, uh, they started capturing um, little browning uh, pistols. That was a very cherished present. They uh, they gave them to girls as a present. They brought them, you know, a few biscuits or some sugar. So so it's uh, as always in life. It's both, you know. There there are some very very unpleasant things that happen, and uh, and uh, uh, right next to them are, are are lovely things, you know, true support, true friendship, you know, amazing love stories. Often, you know, people fell in love and never 
never saw each other again that that happened so so of course and uh, and we should remember that those were very very young people yeah so how old were many of these women when they when they became snipers most of them were either in their late teens or, or very early 20s you know m- most of them were 22 23 when the war finished when the war ended that is just extraordinary, isn't it? The US military had a long debate about women on the front line, and, and you see more and more units around the world allowing women on the front line like it's something new, where, of course, traditionally they were often on the front line, uh, not least 1941 to 1945 on the Eastern Front. What, From your sure. reading of, of uh, from your meeting of these people and, and from your reading of the, of the research, did it, what effect did it have on a unit's fighting abilities? Was units in which there were... Uh, plenty of female snipers were the men thinking about other things and running around trying not to attack because they all fell in love with all the women, like some Americans argued in the 80s and 90s? Or is it almost impossible to discern any difference in how the unit performed in the face of the enemy? It's hard to say. These women were snipers, so so having a couple of snipers, it would be several several people per regiment. It would be may, maybe five five, six girls per regiment, so, so that's not a great proportion of soldiers. And, and, uh, and having snipers in a regiment of, of uh, whatever sex, uh, you know, it was a great asset. It, it, it did boost the morale of troops very, very much because sniper, you know, it, it, they don't kill many people, but they really terrify the enemy. Uh, I, I did, did not detect detects much different in, in attitude to, towards female and male snipers. You know, it was a great novelty in 1943 because before that, the uh, infantry regiments very, very seldom had any snipers. And, uh, and it was a great, uh, great boost to the morale. Uh, no, of course, uh, it's, uh, I suppose they did set some, sometimes they did set some of the officers against each other just from the point of view of of whose girlfriend, whose campaign wife they, this girl might become. But uh, I did not, uh, I don't recall hearing any, any accounts of this. Do we know what happened if these women fell into the hands of the Germans? I mean, obviously the Germans hated snipers. Would, would they detest female snipers even more? Or, or, or as an account of that fighter pilot, did they actually almost extend them to courtesy? Um... I'm not sure. Uh, I know that two two of them had been captured. Unfortunately, one of them died in the camp. The other one, because afterwards, after coming back, she she went through the Soviet camps as well. She was she was in the Gulag for for having been in the German prison. Uh, she uh, she never spoke to anyone about those experiences. Unfortunately, this is so sad. Um, I can imagine they weren't I very pleasant. Know, but the Germans did hit snipers. And uh, as we know, even in the modern times in the conflict conflict spots, they check uh, check the shoulder for the bruise. So, so that was also the practice in the Second World War. Uh, they checked the shoulder for the bruise from the... Uh, I forgot the word. <laughs> from the rifle butt. Yeah, for the, um, for the thing that happens when you fire. Recoil. There we are. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so, so that was the practice back in those times, and I don't think that they uh, that they left many snipers alive. 
Luba Vinogradova, thank you very much. Your books are wonderful. We got Avenging Angels, Soviet Women Snipers on the Eastern Front is out now. It's very exciting. Luba, what's you. your ne- what's your next project? I'd love to do some uh, somehow. I I uh, I want to continue with the Second World War for one more book. Somehow it's not letting me go. Um, I'd love to do something on the German occupation if I can. I I started suddenly uh, 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 being very interested in the stories in my own family. I suppose you develop this this interest as you grow older, and of course there are not many people now to you know to speak about this but i um to speak to in the family but i um i have everything i have a great aunt who is still alive who was in the army who was uh, called up as a very young girl i have i have part of the family that died in the holocaust uh, i have part of the family that survived the siege of leningrad so probably that's why i i want to continue for a little bit longer i want to know more well, you're going to be chronicling some of the most depressing and awful moments in the history of mankind. So uh, I hope that doesn't get too depressing. How do you disassociate yourself? How do you sleep at night? Um, I do sleep at night. I, I've realized that, uh, that I'll have to, with the Holocaust, I'll have to, I'll have to limit myself. I, uh, I would not be able to write a whole book on this. I, I, uh, I, uh, I'll do a few chapters. But suddenly, yes, it does start affecting you personally. Yeah. I'm sure it does. Well, thank you so much for doing all that work and bringing thank you. this important Russian history and Russian sources into the Anglosphere. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. 
And before you go, remember, as a Warfare listener, you get a special discount at History Hit. Subscribers get access to blissfully, uninterrupted, ad-free podcasts and thousands of hours of history documentaries. You've got everything from the American Revolution to my own documentaries like Traces of War, Weapons of War and 24 Hours in Normandy, where I follow in the footsteps of the Green Howards on D-Day from their beach landings to being awarded the Victoria Cross and all the way through their first day where they made it seven miles inland, further than any other British or American unit. So head over to historyhit.com forward slash subscribe or follow the link in the show notes and use the code WARFARE to get 50% off your next three months. That's the code WARFARE to get 50% off. And if you're an Apple listener, you can subscribe for new ad-free episodes within the app. So give it a go. I know you're gonna love it.